Hello. Hello. Industry. 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 Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Industry Tactics. I'm your host, Friendly Rich. Want to say thanks right out the gate to everybody for all the love you've uh, shown regarding our new recording, A Muffled Snore. That's available on my Bandcamp. If you go to friendlyrich.com, you can learn all about it. A collaboration with David Sate and Uneel. And up on the podcast today, I've got Hiroki Tanaka, a wonderful artist. Part of my deep dive into the influence Doug Friesen has had on the Toronto and Canadian music scene. Really thankful to have found this artist, Hiroki Tanaka. Episode 101, brace yourselves. He's a little distorted, but fuck it. It kind of goes with the aesthetic. Enjoy. Tanaka. I'm a musician living in Toronto right now, hanging out in the Lansdowne Blur region. Uh, excuse me, I'm drinking tea, ginger black tea. It's really nice and uh, helps me wake up in the morning. Let's get into it. You sound uh, you sound good, man. You sound good. Uh, thank you. Thank you for making time and uh you know what we're doing here we're talking about your career in music but we're also beginning with kind of like your music education um and what made you what normalized the weird if you call what you do weird i don't know i think you got a really interesting musical vocabulary and um and i love it i love the sound of of everything that that I've heard you do. And so you you. may not classify it as weird, but it's definitely, I mean, it's experimental stuff. Right. And so what normalized that side of, of your work maybe to, to begin with and just really wanting to learn about the influence of Doug Friesen, as you know, I'm doing a bit of a deep dive into Doug's work at Rosedale, which is where I think you connect with him. Right uh yeah definitely yeah i was uh a student at rosedale from 2002 to 2006 does that make sense four years sure uh yeah um and he had started at the same year that i did i'm pretty sure um so we were all kind of like uh i know the teachers sometimes refer to those years as the wild west years when rosedale was uh first becoming a school of the arts um 
I like that. And uh, it was it was a great program. Uh, you know, I think uh, it. I came. I came out of East York, which is uh, a pretty, at least back in those days, it was kind of a rough area of Toronto. And uh, I definitely had no real uh, aspirations to pursue the arts. I think the general consensus was, uh, you know, stick to your day job if you're ever going to think about doing art. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, But then I went to Rosedale, and um, I suddenly, you know... uh, I was surrounded by people who had um, been pursuing music and art for, you know, most of their childhood. And uh, some were, frankly, prodigious, which did an interesting thing for a kid like me, because, you know, I didn't necessarily come from a really artistic background. Um, But looking at all these uh, kids who were like 14 and just shredding. Um, I was like, well, screw this. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna get weird. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome, I, awesome. I'm not good at, I'm not good at it, you know. Oh, that's, I wasn't that's, good at playing guitar. That's so I just. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's yeah. You, well, you you found your place then through like looking around you. It's like, okay, this is how I'm gonna do it. Um, hey, I lied. You don't sound great. You're a little, oh, you're a little distorted on my end. Is there a way to? Uh, change the levels uh, back your audio i don't know don't don't worry too much about it because i mean the way doug i i do want you to be heard but um are you are you a noise artist yeah maybe go a little louder like what how's that it's better how's that you did well i think you did better we'll see how it turns out man that's okay but thank you thank you for indulging I try to take pride. That's where it's coming from. I, but I hate when people do that, you know, Hey, can you just, anyway, I'll stop. Um, Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, I take pride, but yeah. So you were saying kind of like through looking around you in the class, there, there are all these people shredding and you're going, where do I fit in here? Yeah. uh, (laughs) You know, I, I got in for playing also saxophone, which I almost never play anymore. And I I did do like, you know, did the thing you start at clarinet and then eventually you try saxophone and then Uh I moved on from there Um, and played that in the the Rosedale senior band for the entire time I was at Rosedale. Um, But it I mean, Doug had a a huge influence on uh, my weirdness. Uh, I remember back in grade nine, he was playing us stuff like Mel Banana and naked city and that just kind of you know up until then i was on a strict diet of like some 41 oh gosh and, and you know the weirdest i went was radiohead back then okay and, okay and so he was like here's some japanese grindcore that uh you know uh you'll never have found on your own and i it just really kind of opened the floodgates for me to be like okay you know there's there's music that really um is out there and is kind of like challenging my preconceived notions of what's enjoyable and, and, you know, how beautiful. Yeah. How beautiful. Yeah. I was hoping for that. You know, that's why I asked that question. It's nice that you use the word weird, uh, not as a bad word, but you know, um, and I, I didn't mean it as a, as a pejorative. I love what I'm, what I'm hearing from you and musically and just, I really want to, I've been excited to talk with you. Um, so Doug made you weird. We could formally say it. We can, <laughs> we can, I mean, 
I was, I have always been a weird You're like, person. I was on my path. Um, I was on my path. I was, yeah, yeah. From, fair, from fair. the get-go, I was like some weird kind of like bookwormish half Japanese kid in an otherwise like Greek Orthodox elementary school in the middle of East York. Like kids beat the shit out of me. They hated this, this weird kid who didn't play soccer or do anything normal. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And so, yeah, I've, I've always, I've always been uh, an, an outsider. And so I think that really helped me not hold on to any sense of like trying to fit in or anything like i've never fit in welcome welcome to the podcast friend welcome to the podcast i mean it it really is a if you look back on the hundred some odd episodes by the time this comes out you see a long list of outsider artists you are not alone and i think it's really part of the i mean part of the journey and i'm really excited uh to hear that not the part about getting beat up uh but just you, you know um that you were always sort of uh this has always been these are always normal sounds to you it just sounds like it it is like when i hear your music i um i understand it in a way like it just i don't know like that sounded that didn't make sense but i i really get where you're coming from uh and i think i understand too kind of what excites you about music and really want to hear that from you before we hear that from you can you maybe just tee up let's let's hear some of your early stuff like i know you sent me this track <laughs> cadence and chaos can you maybe tee that up you're 15 years old and yeah. on a mission <laughs> um yeah i think i i had pirated um acid in like whatever early iteration of that circa 2000 three 2005 or whatever um and yeah so that would have been around grade 10 so by then doug had you know spent a year being like okay let's let's do some weird stuff and he was really into like improvising on saxophone and extended instrumentation and just like playing around with it so i sat down with my crappy you know one of those like standard computer microphones and acid for the first time and i just recorded uh my vocals doing weird harmonies and i was so proud of myself back then that i was um the way the initial melody uh becomes out of tune Mm -hmm. out of key and then it resolves into uh cadential harmony i was so proud of myself for doing that i was like "Ooh, i'm off grid yeah you know um and so it was deliberately out of tune and then deliberately resolves and that was sort of my big crowning moment of 15 years of age and I'm listening back to it because I found it. I think I'd left it on like MySpace for a decade. And the then guy. I kept being like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? uh, and I went back and I was like, oh, this is awesome. This right is on. actually really good. It and is. And I remember, it's funny that you have this thing about weird because I remember playing it for Doug mm-hmm. in the music room at Rosedale. Awesome, and awesome. there was like one girl left sort of hanging out with Doug too. And she's just kind of listening along to it and is like, yeah, this is really weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here it comes now. Cadence and Chaos. Hiroki Tanaka at 15.
All right. Thanks. Well, I think that really paints a picture of you at 15, you know, a pirated version of acid and a microphone. And I kind of did want to ask you how you made that, you know, to me, it sounds like I would have, I wouldn't have also, I would have also, um, it could sound like you, you had a bunch of cassette decks and we're looping things backwards. Like it definitely has that vibe to me. So, mm-hmm. um, awesome feel and i love it i love the fact that it, it you left it on myspace too. so did you release it was it was it part of a bigger release or was this no. just like no. no no yeah it was just a one-off that i put on you know and cool. completely forgot about it for, cool. for a decade yeah i i really like the fact that it intersects with doug too um so so you're a year in with doug at that point and you release this strange thing and as that girl aptly put it, yes, it, it's weird and no apologies for that. So so where do you go from there? Are you with Doug for four years? Like, are you immersing in music as you're there at Rosedale? Like, does it start etching out a career path for you or what? Uh, career path. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have approached music uh, crab-wise uh, my entire life, I think. Only really until like, I joined Yamatak. Crab wise, like, you know, kind of like oh, two steps forward, one step back. Got kind it, of got thing, it, got you know? it. Thanks. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 did, I did definitely eke out a place, even in Rosedale, for being this weird kid who, instead of trying to get good at his instrument, just like bit down hard on the reed on his saxophone to make the super like John Zorn style squeal, you know? Yeah. This was what I was proud of. And I, I, I oh, had dude. like 13 pedals lined up in a row and I'd plug it into a microphone and then drop the microphone into my saxophone and I just make this like weird blurpy sounds that was all just like feedback mixed with uh, occasional saxophone womps and I didn't know how to play instruments and I didn't care um and you know maybe Doug will be a bit sad to hear that because I think you know he is also a very technically minded person and he really believes in excellence in terms of musicianship but Mm -hmm. it's always really for me been about sound and noise and textures as opposed to a real technical proficiency yeah um for most of my career i i think once yamantaka happened i really sort of um had the ability to focus and be like okay i need to actually be good and and shred and stuff like that and that's and that's what happened really um and what you're playing guitar in that band right or, I was, or is it multi-instrumental okay yeah um, I guess I should backtrack and also sure. be like, you know, I, I was studying classical guitar as well. So once I turned like 16, I was like, you know what? I want to learn how to be good at guitar. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Doug referred me to his friend, Paul Linklater, Amazing. who um, is uh, just an awesome, jovial and excellent guitarist. And he kind of gave me some serious classical guitar chops. So I'm assuming you're going to segue into the Yamataka song, uh, Hungry Ghost, and sure. you'll hear the, the classical finger picking and stuff like that, which I picked up from, you know, studying classical guitar uh, with Paul and, and yep. doing my RCM grades and stuff like that as well. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So, yeah. so you do your RCM grades in classical guitar, Hiroki? Yeah, yeah. I think I officially got up to like grade eight. But like when? I, like while you're in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I finished, I got up to grade eight because I was considering also becoming a teacher at that point. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the, the school that I studied at, Paul taught at this place called Lippert Music Center. Um, And the principal there, Charlene Beard was like, you know what, you should at least get your grade eight because you can officially teach once you get your grade eight. So I got my grade eight. 
And, uh, you know, Good for you. Uh, by that point, I was sort of on the fence between uh, going to university for music as well. Um, I ended up getting accepted for creative writing as my major. So I went for that. And then I did music as a minor. Where at? Um, Where at? Where'd you go? Concordia University, which will also segue into right. Yamataka. I don't want to jump okay. too much. No, I no, want to no, try no. and keep it, things I, on the train for you. Listen, but. listen to this. <laughs> Hiroki Tanaka leading the way, not wanting to time travel. Just uh, he's got T into the system and uh, keep it focused, my friend. This is awesome. I really appreciate that. But you know what? You know what I'm loving is I think we're, we're centered around the idea of like developing your musical vocabulary. You said a, you said a statement earlier that you thought Doug wouldn't appreciate, which is um, you didn't have an interest in necessarily. Um, how did you put it? You, you didn't care to master an instrument. Yeah. in the, the conventional technical sense, but the flip side of that is kind of like um, I always kind of throw back to the uh, Claude Debussy said the same thing, but it was like after he had acquired a PhD in, in music, it's like, yeah, fuck it all. Right. It's like, okay, well it was mm. easy for you to say that after you kind of, you have actually, you have developed a, you've put the time in, it sounds like in many different areas, you're, you're definitely a, what I would think is a seeker. You're, you're always looking for new ideas and concepts in, in music, but it's not to say that you you set out uh, on a path to to. It, 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 I don't think it comes from a a lack of work ethic or wanting to 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 be great at what you do, right? Like I that that's not. <laughs> I think I, that's I safe to say, that. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it's got this definite flavor of like of that r rebellious kind of, um, I don't know, there's, there's a lot in there that I, that I appreciate and love, you know? Um, so, so what did you learn as you were, what, how were you, what were you like in high school? Were you very curious? Um, were you making lots of friends over there? Like who were your peers? No. I got a whole bunch of questions. No, I love it. Okay. Keep going. This is fun. I, I mean, I was, I was so damaged as a teenager. I really oh. like, I had a lot of, hmm. at least I, I think, uh, issues and it really impacted my ability to learn. You know, I oh. think I didn't learn how to learn properly until I was like in my early to mid twenties because I was so wow. depressed and suffering from mental illness. And okay. Okay. you know, I think a lot of people thought I was just like smoking too much weed in high school, which in retrospect, I, you know, I did for like a year, yeah. I was like doing tons of drugs and stuff like that. And yeah. that was just like, not something I should have done. Um, but I was also a mess. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, in some ways, I'm also thankful that Rosedale kind of let me be like kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I managed to get through and graduate with a diploma because I think if it was a more conventional school, I probably would have just dropped out. Wow. Um, wow, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah, that they, they they kind of they went through it with you. They stuck it out, right? And so, having someone free like Doug as a music teacher couldn't have hurt that whole scene. I think, right? That whole challenge in your life at that time. Yeah, I think I think I drove him a little crazy a couple of times. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, as we do as I, teenagers. Yeah, yeah. I have some traumatic memories of me like really botching like a saxophone solo on stage because I was just so nervous that all mm -hmm. I did was bit down on my reed. Mm -hmm. And I think I just like finished the solo. And I remember looking at Doug who was conducting mm -hmm. and he just kind of like gave me this like death stare. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and then just kept going. 
Um, and, you know, some other things, like I was just full of rage. So I was like, wow. during one of our improvisational groups, yep. um, instead of like trying to play, I just like took my saxophone and started like smashing it against the music stand. And he was like, never do that. Oh. He was so mad at me. Oh. But I was just, I was just one of those kids who was, easily overcome i think and i just really couldn't handle emotionally a lot of the stressors and cope with them in a really functional way wow um, wow and you know in retrospect like maybe i should have been medicated during that time but i i mm. i wasn't and uh i don't know it definitely put me on like a, a weird path yeah anyway if you ever like talk to people from rosedale during those years they'll yeah. they'll know me as like the really weird guy who wow. always wore a really large brimmed black hat oh yeah yeah um yeah i don't know i was trying to be amish or something um so yeah it was uh it was a time but it it definitely set me on this course for being into weird music yeah. and exploring and obviously like animal collective was uh oh. exploding at that time too yeah so like with all the psychedelia and stuff that i was doing like that really kind of coincided i remember finding sung tongs uh because because uh oh my aunt do you remember salad fingers no no i need to look was, this up this sounds fun it was this super weird internet ph phenomenon for like a second okay, but um, on the credits at one point they uh uh they play the the animal collective yeah. um uh i i forget the name but it was one of the tracks in sung tongs and that just kind of like opened the floodgates for that and i was just devouring all this weird you know, psychedelic music that was coming up at the time, like Black Dice and Animal Collective and getting into Melt Banana right on, um, right and just really uh, Acid Mother's Temple, which I coincidentally toured with back in 2019, which was totally bonkers. Amazing, um, amazing. All, all that stuff was, was kind of fomenting and pushing me in this direction of being yeah. like, you know what, as opposed to like being really technical and like all the the John Zorn and and the weird jazz that that Doug was really into, I was like, I just want to get into the weird noise and psychedelics and Mersbau and yeah, yeah. Um, and and so that's where my trajectory was for wow. those four years. You wow. know, it was a kind of like an anti-technical resistance to the general trend of of musicianship at Rosedale. Were you were you um, were you the like I know you mentioned the word outsider, but were you the lone wolf? It, it, I I would think there's a place for you in that community. Were you the only one really going in that direction, or were there others that you were collaborating with at that time that were kind of in the same diet, appreciating the same musical diet? Because that's all, that, that for me all feels within the realm of Zorn and weird. And it's just a, it's a, it's a you know, it's, it's on the wheel of, of, of weird. It's like, it's just a, a variation of it in a way, right? Like, were there others, were they accepting of all of this? I think, I think there was some sort of like, there was like a, 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 you know, a lot of kids were like, whoa, yeah, Hiroki, that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to go play like jazz funk now. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, oh. I wasn't, okay. I think <laughs> even, <laughs> even with like the people that I was hanging out with. Um, yeah. Who, and were, I was, who were some of your peers that you might've, you know, been able to hang out with? Yeah. For Rosedale, which was notorious for a school full of freaks. I was with like the, the, crazy metalheads who were the freaks of the freaks i cool. think some kids like labeled us as like the chem kids because they knew we did a bunch of drugs oh yeah and uh and and they listened to like you know terrible metal in in retrospect i didn't i didn't actually really enjoy metal at that time uh -huh. it was just what was 
being played by like the people I was hanging out with and like doing drugs with. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, this and, is, this is interesting. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a rough crowd to be perfectly honest, but uh -huh. I just didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere. And at least, uh, I was so depressed back then. I was mute for a year. I barely spoke for an entire year. I was so depressed. Oh, wow. And uh, th those metalhead kids didn't give a shit that I like barely talked, you know? Wow. Um, wow. Whereas I think I felt too anxious to be around sort of the 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 regular standard Rosedale popular kids crowd or whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, Did you feel there was I a level of like sno snobbery, dare I say? Or it it seems like a pretty accepting um we're all from the folks i've spoken to but did you feel otherwise it was uh so so rosedale kind of had a hierarchy but it was obviously not the regular cheerleaders and and jocks you know of, yeah, okay. of american suburbs it was uh the kids who uh who were really good at their instrument really fair, fair, um, fair. they they were kind of the ones and you mm. could kind of tell like okay they they were the the lead, you know, the the yeah. top of the saxophones or the the lead guitarist of the senior band, and they were they were the kids who hung out on the grassy knoll, you know. And uh, <laughs> sure. yeah, I was never really, I was never really one of those kids. Um, mm -hmm. I just I I I had way too much anxiety to like socialize normally. Well, so you. So you finish, you graduate, you you stuck it out somehow, Hallelujah. and you, and you get yeah. that you get the hell out of there, and you think I'm going to do creative writing at Concordia. Is that where you go, like right after, or do you take any time to breathe? Uh, yeah, um, I I went straight to Montreal. I couldn't wait to get out of Toronto, yeah. um, yeah. and and sort of start anew. And I did, I did do Concordia. Uh, I did it for about a year. Yeah. Uh, and then immediately uh, dropped out, um, bummed around Montreal for a few years, did the most ridiculous of jobs, uh -huh. including, you know, the classic, you become a game tester if you're an Anglo in Montreal. All right, so like I, Ubisoft I out, or something like this or what? Exactly. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, it was Warner Brothers and uh, Babel, which is uh, essentially they they yeah. hire people and then they rent them out to Ubisoft and, and Warner Brothers and all that stuff. Okay. Um, but I was, I was quality assurance. I worked at the, the McGill pita pit and, and handled all like the 3M drunk crowd for yeah. McGill, those like bro-y assholes. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I was like a janitor anyway. I just like really, uh, was trying to figure myself out. And eventually I went back to Toronto for a year and then I came back and was like, you know what? I just need to finish my studies. So I went to Concordia Cool, cool, cool. and, um, this is fun. Yeah, and in that period, I met Alaska from Yamataka. So right she was doing the one of the first performances ever of Yamataka at the uh, Concordia VA building. Um, and I had been doing like a shitty electronic DJ set in the room adjacent to that. And so once I finished my set, I walk in and I'm seeing like these insane cardboard cutouts you know, this, this manually rotating hypnotic wheel, yeah, um, yeah. melting Astro Boy faces, like those early Yamataka shows were so, uh, were so special. And like, it was all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I found like, you know, my people like acid mixed with anime and all sorts of like <laughs> wild extravagant sets. Um, and so we connected over that um, and we would like meet up at parties or whatever, yeah. but it was really until 
I finished my studies at Concordia and had finally moved back to Toronto in uh -huh. 2013. Uh -huh. at, um, she was looking for a new guitarist. And that's when uh, we started talking. And then from there, I became, uh, I, I auditioned, you know, and it, it, it's true. It didn't hurt that I knew how to like read and, and play classical guitar and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, they put me on to uh, start playing guitar for the Severed soundtrack. Um, which uh, Severed was a video game that uh, Yamataka uh, scored. Right on. Uh, track four. And then from then on, I became the full-time guitarist and we recorded uh, Dirt uh, and then proceeded to tour relentlessly from 2018 to 2019. Wow. Let's, um, let's cut to Hungry Ghost. This is uh, Hiroki performing as part with uh, Yamantaka Sonic Titan from their album Dirt.
Yeah, that, wow, that is, um, so you were, your guitar work on that goes all kind of all over the place. I love the atmospheric. I, I just love the, the sound and the vibe of, of this band. So you were with this band from 2015 to 2019. Is that about right? Or yeah, yeah, basically. And is it yeah. on hold right now or, or just no longer you're pursuing a solo thing or, or what? Um, I think I, I'm just taking a step back from music in general. I, I, this album that I put out, yeah. Kaigo Kyoko Kyoku is really special. So yeah. I, you know, I just needed to do that, okay, but okay. to be perfectly honest, um, I think I realized that I just, uh, I wanted to start a family oh, and wow. I wanted to kind of like settle down and, um, you know, the musician yeah. touring life yep. is yep. really hard. Well, it's, and, it's really, uh, uh, it's really, uh, toast right now anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, um, I got at it at a good time. Oh, that's, that's exciting to hear though, that you're, you're, I mean, listen, there's so much there and I don't want to just skim over those four years, but, um, that band just like, yeah, you kind of described it like the, it's not just a band, eh? It's like, it's, they're, they're scoring video games. It's uh it considers itself to be like the, the definition on the website is like, it's, it's like a theater troupe. It's like, it's, it, it feels actually very Montreal to me. It's like, it's it, it mm. kind of hard to peg down, right? Like the, it embraces that spirit uh, or at least what was uh, that spirit in Montreal of, of, you know, kind of, um, multidisciplinary for sure right um for sure uh beautiful work though and i i love it so you got to tour you you toured for about a year with that band then uh between 2018 and 2019 i think we got pretty close to at least above 200 shows Yikes. um oh, wow. what was that like yeah insane holy cow yeah um and that tour with us and mothers was like 60 days straight yikes uh so if you can just imagine you know sure. um the, the the sort of ups and downs of touring yeah. that happen yeah um you know in like a two-week period you can kind of like get like one nice crest and then by the time you're at the end of two weeks you're ready to go home right but when you stack those up over 60 days it's like you're like yes. it's yes. just this yes. constant roller coaster yeah um yeah it was it i mean it it definitely instilled some grit in me um mm -hmm. and i have so much gratitude honestly for that experience because i saw cool. so much of north america um nice. canada united states and yeah. uh got to you know go to europe for the first time and right not on. just as like a traveler but as like a yeah. a touring musician yeah. which is a totally unique experience you know if you ever want to visit a place yeah. like uh, you'll see a, a completely different side of it uh, as as a musician, you know, right. touring. That's really nicely put. Um, That's nicely put. And you carry that with you, right? I mean, moving forward, no matter what you do as an artist, you have that beautifully saturated year of like looking back on it. And I'm sure that those ups and downs that you were alluding to is all there as well, right? It's just like you're stronger for it, I would say, you know, but, um, but yeah. I definitely understand and sympathize with that notion of like, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to do this for a decade, you know, like not not this way anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to leave us enough time to unpack this masterpiece of a work that you, is it out? Is it out? It's all out. Yeah, it came out on October 16th on Coke's Records. Well, congratulations on it. It's called Thank you. Let, let, let you pronounce it, please. Kaigo. Kaigo Kyoku Kyoku, which is literally translates to caregiving memory songs. Caregiving memory songs. And I got to tell you, man, I, um, 
I wept just reading where where you were with it, and I can't imagine. Um, you you know you know what it also reminds me of. It, well, it's it's caregiving for your grandmother and then your uncle at the same time, I guess, or concurrently. It kind of those those overlap. So, uh, yeah. And I don't know. I I mean I don't want to get too heavy here with you, but um, but I'm so moved by it. It 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 brings up all of the things. Um, why we make art, you know, uh, uh, the importance of now that vocabulary that dates back to 2015, or or like if we listen to cadence and chaos all the way through to this is like. I, I, I don't use that word lightly of masterpiece. I really feel that you've been developing your sound and, and your musical voice, but then this comes along and real life hits you right where it hurts and you capture it in a way that's um, just, I don't know, so endearing. And, um, and it reminded me of, you know, I, I just, I don't know, you're, how do I put this? I feel like you're, you know, it's such difficult stuff that you're, you're, you're unpacking here, but you do it in such a careful way. And uh, I don't know, it's so beautiful. And I don't, I don't, I was about to say that I feel like you're, this is going to come out wrong. Okay. So forgive me for saying it, but I feel like you're, you're fortunate in the way that you, you you captured it and it's just that that those are the wrong words because it's a really hard thing that you had to live through but what comes out of it on the other side is this i don't know i just feel there's this beautiful light in in your work and in in the piece that we're going to share we'll end on it but i i want to hear from you just uh the process how you kind of move through it and and how you get to this point um the the process of like how <laughs> i mean so during that entire time that i was touring with yamataka i yeah. was also you know uh caring for my grandmother um I see. and and so uh i i moved in with her back in 20 2016 and uh, she was so in we, toronto or like in the area or what yeah, yeah yeah she was living in the house that i was born in so okay. um it was it was a small you know semi detached and and near Coxwell and Queen. Okay. Um, and I'd sort of known that house all my life, obviously, and uh, and it just had gotten to a point where she needed someone, a live-in caregiver, um, but we didn't want to sort of uh, put her into an elder care facility yet. Mm-hmm. So we were hoping, you know, I could jump in and, and take care of her. Um, and and so uh, I did, and and I stayed with her, but by the time I had moved in, she was already, you know, mid to late stage Alzheimer's. So uh, things were getting uh, pretty challenging sometimes, you know. Um, And I think it was such a a challenging and and really emotional experience that um, at some point I just started uh, writing about it. And so I I came up with a a few songs and and people sort of kept uh, goading me on to like keep working on it. in particular, for snowdrops, um, I also want to mention that my sister was a caregiver for my grandmother beforehand. So all the recordings that you hear of Gran was when she was in her earlier stages of Alzheimer's. Oh. And and, uh, and my sister uh, was sort of recording uh, for her own sort of psychotherapy studies, okay. um, an interview with my grandmother and, and seeing how her memory affected her ability to recall things and stuff like that. Um, 
And so that ended up becoming the centerpiece of, of the following song, Snowdrops, yeah. that, you're, that the audience will hear yeah. in a moment. Yeah. Um, and then once my grandmother um, moved into an elder care facility at the beginning of 2018, mm-hmm. it was kind of like I, I had started, you know, Dirt was going to be released. Things were ramping up. Yeah. And so my family was like, well, there's no one else who can take her place. And she was, you know, getting to that point where she really needed 24-7 care. Okay. Uh, so we moved her into the elder care facility before I went on tour with Yamataka for the initial Dirt tour, which was like 42 days straight hmm. of touring. And uh, and then my uncle, um, you know, who had been suffering from terminal cancer for a few years, moved into the house Um and and was staying there and was somewhat autonomous in those early few months, but increasingly became more and more dependent on me to to help him um, as as the the cancer spread. Hmm. Uh, and so, Snowdrops was written after my uncle had passed away at the end of 2018, and um, I had just sort of all these emotions and so much stuff was swirling around me. Yeah. Um, that I, I, I made the song, you know, and I, I took the poem uh, by Tony Hoagland, who was also, he passed away from, from cancer mm-hmm. uh, when he was 65, same age as my uncle. And mm. I thought it was a, a real, a real nice tribute to my grandmother and uncle. It's, um, it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. I mean, uh, thanks. You know what? Let's, let's, let's listen to it here. Here it is now it's uh prepare for it. It's about, 10 minutes, eh? Um, yeah, it's, about 90, it's a long one. It's, it's 90, so it's a journey. Prepare for it, and then we'll, we'll talk a little more about this project and what's coming up uh, afterwards. So this is Snowdrops from Kaigo Kyoko Kyoku. Hope I got that right. Yeah, I do my almost. best, almost. Sorry.
What's your name? My name is Kathleen Boring. <laughs> and uh, how many kids do you have? Hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Takada, Japan. What's Takada like? Takada is very hot in the summer. It's near the sea, but still very hot. And um, a lot of, uh, I guess, moisture so um, it's, it's a sort of hot heat that really makes you feel hot <laughs> yeah and there's no air conditioning in those days no <laughs> but i don't think we worried about such things as the heat no what did you do when it was hot? well we were kids so we just kept on doing what we were doing <laughs> yeah yeah kids sometimes aren't as um what is your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday? Oh, it must be Christmas. Why is it Christmas? Well, I guess it's most more excitement and more people around than any other time of the year. That's true. Is there a Christmas um, that stands out to you from your childhood? I think Christmas was always something that I looked forward to and loved remembering afterwards. In those days we had a real tree and little candles, real candles. They got put on the night before, all set, and then in the morning they were lit. And then they were put up very quickly <laughs> after we'd had a good look at the tree and then Everything else went on after that. Do you remember any Christmas presents you used to get? I expect they were mostly useful things like slippers and mittens and <laughs> hats and <laughs> scarves. Yeah, were they usually handmade? Of course. Mm -hmm. My mother was a good knitter. And, yeah. Yeah. between a rowboat and its dock. You will begin to see the plants and flowers of your youth. And they will look as new to you as they did back then. Little lavender bouquets arranged in solar systems, delicate beyond your comprehension. The 
dark gold buttons with the purple manes, the swan white throat splashed with radish colored flecks, the thread like stalks that end in asterisks. They are where you left them, by the bus stop bench, along the chain link fence behind the widow's house, and you shall squat down on your heels and gaze at them, just as you did before, because this restitution of your heart is coming. You need not fear the indignities of death and growing old. The synagogue of Weedhead will be your evidence that every moment is not trampled by the march of all the rest. It doesn't matter if you end up isolated and alone, pulling the trigger of the morphine feed repeatedly. It doesn't matter if you die, whimpering into the railing of the hospital bed, refusing to see visitors, smelling your own body in the dawn. The dark ending does not cancel out the brightness of the middle. greatest joy cannot be dimmed by any shame. Many little, little, small flowers. Like what? Well, now let me look around and see what do I have here. You were really excited when the snowdrops came out. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love the snowdrops. They're so early. I know. And do you know that every little snowdrop has a drop of, of heat in its little bulb? Just enough to make it able to push through the frozen ground. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's absolutely. So caregiving memory songs, this concept, um, you know, this whole idea of like, why do we, why do we make art? And um, it feels like it was like um, part of a healing process or a pro you're processing the thing live in real time. And, and, but, but just mature. um, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's a mature take on the whole thing. And you really, you let us in, eh? Like there's this, like, I really feel like we're capturing these, um, we're listening in on these very uh, delicate moments, these important, these snapshots in, in, in your grandma's life. And, uh, 
And the way you structured it compositionally, I think you, you write, uh, it's based on folk songs and hymns. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I don't know, just did you find the whole journey to be helpful for you to make sense of what you were dealing with? Um, like the musical journey, sort of the, the exploration. The, um, the emotional journey of what you were having to kind of cope with. It sounded like, it just sounds like a really difficult time to, to for you. And you have this thing going on while you're, you know, dealing with the emotional uh, experience as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to say because when you're in it, you know, it's all just... Yeah day by day it was a lot there was a lot i imagine uh, that that year was um beyond anything that i had ever dealt with before mm-hmm. um hmm. between like you know touring with yamataga and yeah. being a caregiver and and like my sister was also she was due to have a baby um my my niece uh-huh. and there was all this i remember like i was in therapy at the time and just like having this hysterical cry <laughs> in front of my therapist being like there's so much happening right now yeah and um and i don't i don't know how i did it but you <laughs> do right the the human spirit endures and uh yeah, yeah. and i i really did come away with it with a sense of of grit and that i'd really sort of accomplished <laughs> um an ordeal um wow why did why did I continue making this album? I mean, it really could have just been, you know, a song that I felt I, I started doing Bear Hallways and um which is the first song on, on Kaigo Kyoku Kyoku. Uh-huh. Um and and it just kind of kept snowballing from there. It wasn't I didn't I didn't have a lot of force, you know. I didn't come at it with this like, okay, I'm gonna make this album and it's gonna, you know, it's gonna have so many whatever tracks and yeah, it's gonna yeah. you know be just like this like i i really it wasn't that usual i i suspect it wasn't that usual driving artistic force it was something more powerful more dare i say like pure <laughs> like it's, uh, you know I, I mean i don't i don't know but artistic um, motivation can come from anywhere but i i think this is really heavy stuff and I, that's why i say like the, the i use the wrong word but fortunate i just think it's like it's really touching where how you came to this project, right? This project reads just as beautifully as it sounds to me, right? Like, a, but but I I feel for you and just you know what I mean, having to deal with this experience. It's like so immediately, like on first listen, I'm already feeling like this deep sense of like just sympathy for for you, like having to you know what I mean, having to go through all of this, right? It's like. I don't know. It's it's just heavy on all fronts. So yeah, I you know I there was an there is I I I am privileged in that like my family were super supportive of this project. Um, they were super supportive the entire time I was caregiving for Gran. Yeah. Uh, and and Brian and like, you know I I do come at it with a lot of hmm. I. I, you know, it's it's a it's a commonly overused word, but just gratitude because nice. I think it was a lot of external forces were like, keep doing this, okay. you know, and okay. that's, wow. And that's kind of what pushed me forward is like, I, I, I got offered that show in long winter, um, which was only two weeks after Brian had passed away. And so I had to cobble together 30 minutes of material mm-hmm. and that was kind of a catalyst. And then I performed this thing 
And all these people at Long Winter were like, oh my God, like I'm resonating so much with this music. This was incredible. This was one of the best shows that I saw. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my partner, Maya Bankovic, was just so supportive. She's like, keep doing this. And so, cool, cool. you know, I, again, I'm a crab wise kind of person. Like I don't nice. really ambitiously pursue things necessarily. Um, and I, and it's really when things are sort of thrust upon me that I kind of take up the mantle. And so, cool, cool. I well felt, said, well said. I, yeah. I felt that, you know, this was something worth pursuing and people were telling me to do it. So I did it. And, uh, thank you. And it was hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for, for appreciating it and, and wanting to talk to me about it. And I really hope that it resonates, you know, with people who've been in a similar circumstance, um, or people who have, you know, relatives who have passed away because I, I did, I wanted this to be a healing album you know? Yeah. Right on. Right on. Um, where, where do you, my last question for you, and I do want let, 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 let send me another track. Well, let's play, we'll end with another one from, from the record. If you, if you don't mind, I really want people sure. to find a way into this record. Um, but where do you go from here? Uh, how are you coping with the world we're in right now? Does it seem, does the chaos kind of feel okay for you or is it up and down? What, where are you at with it? Um, Releasing the album during COVID was hard uh, because I think a lot of like initial interest kind of evaporated once people were like, whoa, the music industry is like in chaos. Um, But I I sort of sat down and was like, you know what? The point of this album isn't to like amass the the most possible buzz that I can get, you know? Um, and, And I wasn't going to like wait another year until like touring resumes or something like that to like yeah. play a smattering of shows and release it. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. let's just put it out. Good for you. Um, Good for you. You know, yeah. and I, I wanted to sort of do my due diligence and experience what it was like to put out a solo record. So at the very least, like I, I hired like a PR Daniel from force field PR and, you know, I, I did continue reaching out to labels and Coke's uh, race spoon uh, yeah. was amazing in, in taking up the record super last minute. How cool um, is that? Well, that, ever that speaks to the beauty of the thing. That's really great to hear that, that, that that's how yeah. that kind of came to, to, to be good for you. And I think Coke's is a good home for this record too. It seems, um, seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of, you know, uh, it, it's released now and it's out in the world and obviously it's still sort of circulating and resonating with people. Um, and that's really all that I can ask for at this yep. point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, let's leave it on uh, one, one last thing is what, what, what do you feel Doug Friesen and all of that influence on your early work? How does it influence you? How, what do you carry forward? What did Doug in part, what did he leave? What did you, um, what was your best digestion? Uh, you know, no, no need to follow convention or to, you know, think about music in a, a strictly harmonic and melodic way. Like there was just a lot of freedom and, and improvisation, but also devotion to the craft uh, that I think he he definitely emphasized, you know, while I was with him. Um, I, I, I love hearing about his journey, too. I think he's working with uh, Murray Schaefer or something like that. Um, how cool is that, you know? Yeah. Um, he, he was, yeah, he was a real sort of uh, mercurial teacher. And it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, now that I think back to it, like super special, uh, my Rosedale experience. I don't think people... 
uh, anywhere have really had a similar experience to that as, you know, both, both being pushed to, to learn the technical side and, and, you know, the, the sort of classical side of their instrument, but then also doing these weird improvisor, improvisatory, uh, uh, classes and stuff like that is, is really special. Yeah. People can learn more about your work at Hiroki Tanaka dot. Oh, uh, Hiroki Kyoku.com. I was close. Uh, <laughs> but if you search Hiroki Tanaka on Google, you'll find me. You okay, know? cool, cool. Uh, thank you for, uh, it's really nice to connect with you. Uh, it's such a pleasure. And thank you for all that you do. No, no. How unceremonious. <laughs> Re really appreciate your work. Really appreciate your work. Oh, no. oh, you just cut out there. Shit, yeah, my internet connection is unstable. I'm unstable. Uh, I hope you're all right. And uh, let's 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 listen to what what track can we end with? Uh, I'll send you uh, "Blue Eyed Doll." Yeah, that's sort of the first single that came out on this album. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much, Hiroki, and and all the best. You as well. Great to great to meet you and and talk to you again. Thank you. Take care. Ciao. Ciao. You too. Bye. See you.
Doll from Hiroki Kaigo Kyoko Kyoku. Um, and you could learn more about Hiroki's work at Hiroki Kyoku, H I R O K I K Y O K U dot com. Thanks again. That was episode number 101. And you know what? Uh, for the next little while, we, we're a little constipated, a little constipiche. So we're going to go weekly to get rid of the backlog, take some uh, podcast beats and blast it out of our asses. So you've got us on a weekly basis until the backlog has cleared. We'll see you again next week on Industry Tactics.